it's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, July 13th. This is your KVMR Evening News. 988. The new three-digit national mental health emergency number goes live Saturday. However, there's concern that every call may not be answered. Details ahead on the California Report. We've got your local weather coming up before Gregory Diaz, Nevada County's Clerk Recorder Registrar of Voters, explains why taxpayers are still on the hook for nearly $10,000 after a recount request from June's elections. By now, we've all seen the detailed cosmic images from NASA's James Webb Space Telescope. Up ahead, KVMR science correspondent Al Stoller puts things in perspective. This is the California Report. I'm Maddie Bolaños in San Francisco. Fire crews in Yosemite National Park worked through the night to continue to battle the Washburn wildfire. The fire has grown to 3,200 acres. Crews say containment of the fire has dropped to 17 percent because of warm temperatures in the area. The Mariposa Grove remains closed, and the nearby community of Wawona is still under an evacuation order. Moving on to COVID, the BA5 variant is outcompeting other strains of COVID-19 in the Bay Area. KQED's science editor Kevin Stark has that story. BA5 is now the most dominant variant showing up in wastewater in the South Bay, San Francisco, Silicon Valley, Sacramento, and elsewhere. That's the latest data from researchers who study sewage looking for clues into how COVID-19 is spreading across the Bay Area. BA5 is highly transmissible, and medical experts say it might be able to sidestep immunity from vaccines or previous infections. Here's Stanford's Yvonne Maldonado. It is still a very deadly disease when you compare it to any other circulating viral illness that we see today. COVID hospitalizations in the Bay Area are at the highest level since February. For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. Los Angeles County is also seeing a surge in COVID hospitalizations with an increase of 25 percent. If the county moves in the CDC's high-risk category for COVID-19 this week, a public indoor mask mandate could be reinstated later this month. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors, like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Governor Gavin Newsom has signed legislation allowing lawsuits against gun manufacturers. KQED's politics editor Scott Schaefer reports. AB 1594 by San Francisco Assemblyman Phil Ting allows state and local governments and private individuals to sue gun makers and sellers for damage caused by their products. Federal law shields gun manufacturers from lawsuits, but this bill establishes a firearm industry standard of conduct and allows lawsuits for violations of those standards that result in harm. 
Newsom signed legislation last month adding restrictions on hard-to-trace ghost guns and restricting ads for firearms aimed at minors. Gun rights groups say the new laws may not survive scrutiny by the U.S. Supreme Court, which recently struck down a New York law limiting permits for openly carrying firearms. Lawmakers are expected to send even more gun control bills to the governor next month. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. Next week, Dodger Stadium will host the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. But when fans from across the nation descend on Chavez Ravine to watch the best baseball players have it out, they may have some trouble getting a Dodger dog or a beer. Concessions workers at Dodger Stadium are on track to hit the picket lines at any moment. The union representing the stadium's 1,500 food and beverage workers, Unite Here Local 11, says they've got enough votes to authorize a strike. But the company that runs Dodger Concessions, Levy Restaurants, has yet to respond to their call to negotiate a contract in good faith. What we're looking for is better health care. We're looking for fair wages. Sabrina Macias is a concession stand lead who has been working for Levy at Dodger Stadium for nearly two decades. She says she and her colleagues have to work at different venues to make ends meet. And they don't get health care despite all the work they do. That's troublesome for Macias, whose husband and daughter have chronic medical problems. We need that insurance. That insurance means a lot to us. Uh, We'd want those fair wages. You know, people are living uh, out of their cars. You know, some people are homeless. The union is hoping to hear from Levy before this weekend's game. And finally, Californians who are in mental distress and thinking about suicide will be able to call or text a new three-digit number starting Saturday to get help. But will someone pick up? The California Report's Saul Gonzalez has the story. The easy-to-remember new number, 988, will replace the 10-digit 1-800 phone number long used by the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. 988 is being rolled out nationally because of bipartisan legislation passed by Congress in 2020. But each state, including California, will have a lot of control over how the new number is managed and funded. 980 is a huge step forward for America and specifically for Californians to ensure that people get the care they need in that moment of crisis. That's California Democratic Assemblymember Rebecca Bauer-Cahan of Orinda. She's one of the most vocal supporters of the 988 line in the state legislature and thinks it could be a game changer as more Californians grapple with mental health problems. We think with this easy-to-dial three-digit number, we expect an incredible increase in callers, which is a great thing. It means more people will be getting help during a crisis, especially in a moment when they might be suicidal. But there are worries that an expected doubling or even tripling of calls to the new 988 number could overwhelm California's 13 suicide prevention call centers. Jonathan Cantor, a researcher with the Santa Monica-based think tank, the RAND Corporation, has studied the establishment of the 988 line. He says the current National Suicide Prevention Line, or NSPL, already has a significant number of problems dealing with call volumes. So I think right now... I believe it's about one in seven calls with the NSPL are disconnected before reaching a responder. And just historically, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline has been understaffed and underfunded. So the fear here would be that something similar would occur if you called 988. 
Assemblyman Bauer Cahan believes California's suicide prevention call centers are prepared for an increase in calls when 988 goes live, partly because of the money the state is committed to improving its crisis response system. We've dedicated $28 million to build up our call centers. We, As I mentioned, we expect an influx of additional callers, so we made sure we expended funds to get our call centers ready to handle that, those additional calls, get people trained and prepared to answer. So hopefully that will all happen without a hitch. Fingers crossed, right? Yeah, more than fingers crossed because lives are on the line. Beyond setting up the 988 line, mental health experts say what's needed next are more mobile teams that can meet face-to-face with people who are experiencing a mental health crisis and resources for long-term care and counseling. Assemblymember Bauer Cahan has introduced legislation that would place a surcharge on phone bills to fund such programs. For the California Report, I'm Saul Gonzalez. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, July 13th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Turning our attention to local weather and your air quality index? While smoke from the Washburn Fire burning in Yosemite National Park is mostly drifting to the northeast, the National Weather Service says some smoke may get trapped in the Sierras overnight. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear with a low around 63. Thursday, sunny skies with a high near 92. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 10. Thursday's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 26. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, clear with a low around 48. Breezy with gusts up to 20 miles per hour. Thursday, sunny with a high near 82. Winds could gust as high as 20 miles per hour. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 23. Thursday's air quality is good, with a potential AQI of 32. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear with a low around 59. Thursday's sunny and hot with a high near 97. Current air quality is good, with an AQI of 4. Thursday's air quality is good, with a potential AQI of 20. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Nevada County taxpayers are on the hook for nearly $10,000 after Southern California radio personality Randy Economy axed his request for a recount in the June Nevada County clerk-recorder race. The news of the terminated recount broke Monday. The following day, KVMR's Felton Pruitt sat down with Gregory Diaz, Nevada County's clerk-recorder registrar of voters, to walk us through the recount process and explain why money is still owed. We're talking with Gregory Diaz. He is the clerk, recorder, registrar of voters for Nevada County. Gregory, thanks for talking with us. Now, we just had a recount for your position. Let's get into the whole can of worms of what happens every four years, why there was an election, why there was a recount, and who won. Every four years during the gubernatorial primary, the governor's race, uh, all county offices in Nevada County are up for election. The assistant clerk recorder, Natalie Adona, she ran for this seat along with two other candidates. Uh, Natalie Adona won. I believe she garnered 68% of the vote. Second place guy, I think, was 23, 20%. Third place guy got 9%. Five days after I certified the election, which I did on June 29th, certification happens after we do 
a 1% audit, which we did, counted 445 ballots and all the contests on those ballots, and we found no variances at all. So the election got certified. And then the person who was running for clerk recorder, who finished in second place, 14,000 votes behind the first place winner, that fella decided to file a request for recount and ballot inspection. The person who was acting on behalf of the candidate, his name was Randy Economy, a fella from uh, Southern California, talk show host, they tell me. He was the one who actually gave me the request for recount, and we received it on July 5th. It was actually dropped off on July 4th, so it was submitted to me in a timely way. Recounts have to be submitted within five days after certification. Uh, so this was submitted in time. I have to commence the recount within seven days after receiving the request for recount. The seventh day is today. Code says because my office is the subject of the recount, I cannot supervise the recount. The Board of Supervisors must bring in another officer to supervise the recount. This is a little bit of a twist, as it only applies to the office of the clerk recorder. If the, recount, if the clerk recorder, if that office is the subject of a recount. We got this request for recount. I went to county council. I explained to them what code says. County Council reached out to the Board of Supervisors. They put on an agenda item asking for an officer to be appointed. I reached out to my peers and the registrar in Placer County, Ryan Ronco. He agreed to do it. Ryan came, had discussions with County Council, with the Board of Supervisors, and the item was placed on the agenda for the board meeting, which is happening today. I went and had staff do an estimate of how much it will cost to do this recount. A recount is going to have a board consisting of four individuals, and all four individuals will read out the name of the candidate that's marked on a ballot, and all four people must have the same count after we read the winner or the selection from each ballot. So it's a very time-consuming process. I estimate it. The board might be able to do 1,000 ballots a day. There were 38,000 ballots cast in Nevada County for the primary. If we're doing 1,000 ballots a day, I estimate it 38 days to complete the whole recount to get through all 38,000 ballots. And that's 38 business days, so that doesn't count weekends. That's 38 business days, so that would be about six weeks. We are able to charge for all the prep work before we start the recount, so ballots had to be retrieved. Uh, we have an off-site location. Ballots had to be retrieved and bought over here. There was billable time from county council. Uh, the board had time, Placer County, there's prep time. All the prep time came up 
to around $10,000. And on a daily basis, we ask for $1,800. The $10,000 has to be paid before we can commence the recount. And thereafter, each day, before 9 a.m., the requester needs to deposit $1,800 with us. If it went for 38 days, the total amount spent would be a little under $83,000. However, on the day yesterday when we wanted to get the $10,000 so we could start today, I received a letter from Mr. Economy, and he asked to terminate his request for recount and ballot inspection. I acknowledged receipt of his letter, and we have terminated the recount. Taxpayers are on the hook for around $10,000. A lot of departments were involved. Uh, the CEO's department was involved as we found a suitable location for the recount. Human resources was involved as we had to hire temp workers to sit on the recount board. I've mentioned county council time. They were involved. A board of supervisors were involved, and obviously my staff. So all of that, and also auditor controller. We had to set up a special account for the recount money. Many, many people were involved last week getting ready to start a recount today. As I said, yesterday at 3.45 p.m., I got the letter requesting the recount be terminated. We have received no money from anyone. The recount's terminated, and this morning the certification was passed by the Nevada County Board of Supervisors, and my certification has been sent to the Secretary of State and will be certified by the Secretary of State as well. So that means that Natalie Adona will be our next clerk, recorder, registrar of voters for Nevada County. And she won the plurality in June. There was no need for a runoff. She got over 50% plus one. Like I say, I believe her percentage was 68%. And she will take office, I believe, on January 3rd, 2023. We're talking with Gregory Diaz. Now, Gregory, you decided not to run again. I guess you're retiring. I am retiring. Uh, I'm 70 years old. I'll be uh, close to 71 on January 3rd, and I thought uh, this is probably a good time to retire. How long have you been here in Nevada County serving us? Uh, I was appointed uh, June 26, 2007. And you were in San Francisco before this? And before, I was clerk recorder in San Francisco, that's correct, from 1995 to 2002. I think that the first thing we should do is thank you for all of your service to our county and pretty much to our state. Well, um, you know, my pleasure. It's a good job, job that I like, and I, I think I've done it pretty well. I keep on getting elected, and I get a healthy percentage each time. I think really it's all about the community, especially elections. It's a real participatory event. That's how I look at it. And it's just the ability to work with people, to listen to people, and to make sure everyone can have an enjoyable experience. And I was just glad to be part of it for these last few years. 
Well, Gregory, we thank you for all this information. It sounded pretty, way more complicated than even I understood it to be. So uh, thanks for the explanation. <laughs> yeah, it took a lot of time, especially, you know, the cost estimate, sitting down, figuring out who, what, hourly rates, uh, fringe benefits, uh, was a lot of work. That's why we wanted ten grand before he could start. We wanted to get compensated for all these hours, but guess we're not going to. So we're going to actually be looking at a change in the recount laws, as this is not the only county this has happened. Quite a few counties, uh, these people are requesting recounts. County spends money, and then they back off. And so our statewide organization is, in fact, looking at uh, perhaps modifying that piece of legislation. Well, we certainly thank you for this update and all of the information. We've been talking with Gregory Diaz, the clerk recorder, registrar of voters for Nevada County. We wish you the best in your retirement, Gregory. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Standing here on Earth, it's hard to believe the cosmic images from NASA's Webb Telescope are real glimpses of the universe. Up ahead, KVMR science correspondent Al Stoller puts things in perspective. You and I share a pretty intimate relationship with the universe. The atoms in our bodies did not always exist. Many of our atoms were made inside stars. Some atoms could only be made in the explosion of such stars. And a lot of the atoms in our bodies came to be at the moment of creation of the entire universe. As I said, we are intimately connected with the universe. When the universe was young, there was nowhere life could exist. The universe had to evolve over billions of years for life to find in it a place to call home. Earth was born hot. Earthquakes are a symptom of our planet cooling itself down. Earth cools itself by pushing rocks around. Pushing rocks around allows Earth to send its heat out into space and, by the way, creating earthquakes. Like Earth, the universe was born hot, infinitely hot, in a humongous explosion. Ever since the Big Bang, the universe has been moving heat energy from its hot parts to its cold parts. It's not hard to see the universe moving energy around. Any clear night, we could see hot stars pouring energy, heat and light, out into the cold of space. And the universe has other ways to move energy around. But to see these other energy transfer schemes, we need a telescope. The moon is full tonight. When the sky grows dark, look toward the moon. Look past the moon, a million miles out from Earth. And you're gazing toward the James Webb Space Telescope. Earth's newest space telescope was launched last year. Its first images have just been released. Trying to make sense of those pictures... We look for patterns. Light some incense and keep an eye on the smoke. Or blow out a candle and watch the hot fume rise off the wick for a few seconds. Smoke and fume first rise in smooth streamlines until they grow too cold to push their way up and the streamlines break up into chaos. Blow on a spoonful of soup and notice the ripples that blow across the surface. In ocean waves, in clouds, in flowing and falling water, our world is rich with patterns, patterns we could see at home. The universe, too, is rich with patterns. Computer programs help us visualize the patterns. The computer sorts through the atoms. 
The computer then paints these different atoms in different colors. From the patterns, from the colors, come clues as to how the universe is moving energy around, how the universe came to evolve into the one we see today, a universe in which life can find a home. Remember those earthquakes? The new telescope has seen galaxy quakes. I don't normally get to talk to you on Wednesdays, so let me thank Claudio and the news team for carving out a sliver of time for me on tonight's newscast. And let me invite you to tune in to Soundings on Thursday, a week from tomorrow, when I'll have had a chance to chat with folks actually working with the Space Telescope. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. That's our newscast for this Wednesday, July 13th. Head on over to our website at kvmr.org for anything you may have missed in tonight's newscast. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Sierra Derm Center for Dermatology, specializing in general and cosmetic dermatology, skin cancer detection, and skin cancer removal for over 18 years. Located across from Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital, Grass Valley. New patient openings available. Information at sierraderm.com and Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners, carrying remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support, serving Northern California counties and San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. Milkmancompany.com. Keep it tuned to your community radio station. At 6.30, it's the Sages Among Us. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. The KVMR Evening News will take a brief hiatus for the rest of the week as we bring you a live broadcast from the Nevada County Fairgrounds of California World Fest. We'll be back with you Monday. Have a great weekend.